You're listening to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop, serving the community for over 50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk. Well, my very special and first guest today works in the field of what's called complementary uh, medicine. Now, of course, there was a time whenever it might have been called alternative medicine. Uh, Paulo, welcome. Hello. <laughs> so for those who are completely uninitiated, how would you best describe complementary therapy? I think it's helpful to understand the difference between alternative and complementary. Um, and in my opinion, um, alternative therapies are the ones that people use instead of contra, contra, con, con, complementary. Com, lost me words. We know what you <laughs> the mean. The ones we that are used instead mean. of ordinary medicine. Yes. And complementary therapies are the ones that are, are used alongside conventional medicine. Integrative care is the name given to an approach where a healthcare professional combines the use of conventional and complementary techniques to give expert and holistic care. Um, I'm increasingly seeing a lot of patients who don't feel that conventional approaches are giving them the answers they're looking for and who are keen to explore complementary therapies alongside ordinary allopathic medicine. Mm. So... I find it hard to say myself. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to apologize. <laughs> uh, so how did you, how did you, I mean, I want to talk a wee bit about your, your journey. How did you begin your journey in terms of learning, you know, all about complementary yeah, therapy? Yeah, I started in complementary therapy about 30 years ago. Um, there was an interest there sort of within the family. My mother was interested in it. I was always interested in massage and what have you. Um, and I'd gone away with my husband actually on a holiday and picked up a book written by Robert Tisrand, an aromatherapist. Read that while I was away on holiday and thought, yeah, I'd really like to do this. I was working with social services at the time. And uh, when I came back, um, there was an advert for a lady running a, a workshop in Bournemouth, which I went to for just ordinary massage. And it sort of stemmed from there. I went on that course, did a massage course and then got the bug Went on and trained. I did aromatherapy with her. I did an advanced course. I then did nutrition. Um, and I started a little practice at home um, before I had my children. Um, and that got quite busy. And in the end, I was more busy doing that and earning more money than I was working for social services. So when I had the children, it was no brainer. It was easier for me to work from home doing my complementary therapy. Um, and it gradually expanded where I had more people coming to me. And then... Um, I got involved with the Bournemouth Sanctuary. I um, bumped into one of my very first school teachers, actually, a lady called uh, Jo Miller, a fabulous lady who actually was a member of our Catholic Church. And she was on the Board of Governors at the Sanctuary at Bournemouth at the time. And they were looking for a therapist to go and work there. This was um, in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. So it was quite a controversial time with AIDS and HIV at the time. Um, and I went along and had a look at the place and um, had a good chat with my husband because I had young children at the time. Didn't really know a lot were about it. Were you a bit fearful? Um, I think it, it's the unknown. I think when people don't know what they're facing and there was a lot of uh, controversial talk about HIV and AIDS, there wasn't a lot known about it. I suppose almost like we are at the moment with the COVID thing, people are very, you know, apprehensive yeah. about what they might catch. Um Anyway, I went along and I had a really good chat with the head nurse at the time. And he said, you know, ask me any questions you want. And so I asked everything I felt that I needed to ask. I met a young woman um, who actually was from Uganda and she was my first patient there. And I treated her. And at the time when I was treating her, she was telling me about the funeral she'd planned for herself. And um, 
the organisation she'd done for her four children, where they were going to go when she passed away, you know. Um, it was a really hard session. And when I came away from there, I went home and I had a chat with my husband and I thought, oh, am, I, am I doing the right thing? What have I done? You know, um, anyway, I went back and had a, another long chat with uh, the head nurse at the time that was there and a couple of other people that worked there within counselling um, roles. And I never really looked back. I carried on working there from the time they opened to the time they closed. And it was an amazing place, giving really great support mm -hmm. for those living with HIV and supporting people that were um, coming to, to face the end of their life and their families. Mm. Um, subsequently, a, a support group started in Bournemouth, um, and that, that was connected with the sanctuary in the beginning of the sanctuary, uh, Body Positive, and that was giving support for local people living in the area with HIV and AIDS. So mm. that was also really, you know, quite, um, it was an amazing place. And of course, I mean, you mentioned it there about, just ordinary people who are, yeah. in this case, hit by a terrible, uh, terrible disease with, with lots and lots of stigma, and of course, attached yeah. to, not always, of course, but sometimes attached to, to different lifestyle and so on. For you, obviously, coming to bring comfort to people using the, the therapy, uh, what did you see happening? What, what, what difference were you able to make once you eventually were able to get over your, your initial and understandable apprehension? Yeah, I think the most important thing is touch because I think people, whether it's HIV AIDS, whether it's um, old age, whether it's cancer, whether it's any particular illness, um, I think touch is the most important thing. I think um, when there is illness, we are very um, reticent to put our hands on people. And working with not only the, the when I was at the sanctuary, but I, I do a lot of care home work um, and work at the medical centre. Um, when people aren't very well or they're feeling really, really low, just putting a hand on somebody can make so much difference to them. It can make them feel really um, wanted, really, you know, calm, comforted. And I suppose also with you being a regular face then, you know, going in, meeting people and of course the, those maybe faces people suddenly become friends. And, you do. In a way. You, you form a relationship with these people, you know, they do become friends mm -hmm. and I have many, many very good friends that over the years are still coming to see me and have formed great bonds with, you know, mm -hmm. um, there are several that are really good family friends now. So it's, it's expanded, you know, over the years. And of course, you've, you've always been a woman of faith as well. Yeah. Did you find it difficult to marry your faith, you know, with, with the suffering that, that you were seeing people go through? No, not, not at all. I think, um, I, I think our paths are all marked out for us. I think it's the way we, we deal with them that's important. Um, the sanctuary was uh, the HIV and AIDS hospice. Um, when I went there to work, um, it was a really strange thing because I actually um, felt I knew the building, although it was a new building. And uh, as time went on, it turned out that uh, the building had actually been St. Joseph's convalescent home for retired priests and nuns. And as a child at school... I had been there to the old building. So you knew you so knew. I, yeah, so I had a connection with the building already. And it was the Sisters of Mercy that had um, donated or had um, loaned or whatever the building over to the people that were running the sanctuary. So there was still an element of um, religion within the um, the hospice. We had Sister Ellen that worked there. But we also had a lot of input from um, one of the churches in Bournemouth that supported um, the 
people that were at the hospice. I think the Reverend uh, Neil Thomas at the time oh, yes. was a great support there. Um, and they actually had a fabulous little chapel within the, the uh, sanctuary itself as well, you know. Um, but uh, no, I think you have to look beyond whatever anybody's faith is. It's what you're, you're giving to them and how you're helping them, you know, and it's what, what my beliefs are. You know. Now, so there you are. So you were cutting your teeth in those early days, uh, yeah. you know, working with the. Did you have to do loads and loads of training? Because obviously, each of the, the various uh, therapies that you would be using are different disciplines, aren't they? Yeah, I've, I've done an awful lot of training over the years. So, I, as I say, I started off with basic massage and aromatherapy. Um, the aromatherapy went to an advanced course, so you learn more about the oils and how to use them with varying conditions. I then studied diet and nutrition so that I could learn how people's diets and what they ate, vitamins and minerals might be able to help them. Um, and it was when I was working at the sanctuary, somebody asked me about re- uh, reflexology. I didn't really, I hadn't really studied it, didn't know a lot about it, but I went off and researched it, went and had a treatment with um, a fabulous lady called Jenny Hope Spencer, who was running uh, the Linden School of Reflexology locally at the time, and uh, signed up a course with a course with with her which at the time she was running it at the Bournemouth Hospital and um, she was great I did the course with her which was about 18 months and then um, obviously I was working during that time so those were the therapies I was concentrating on then and I've done other things I specialized in certain subjects so AIDS was one of the things I went off and did specific training in um, then I when the hospice closed um, I was still doing a little bit of private work at the time and I had a couple of GPs that used to come to see me and they uh, were saying to me that they were expanding at the uh, surgery at Highcliffe. They were going upstairs, opening up some private rooms. Was I interested in coming there? And that's how I started there. Um, and I just started doing sort of one morning a week up there, just doing the massage, the aromatherapy and the reflexology. And uh, I had my kids at school at the time, so I was very limited to the times I could could work, but I was always busy. And over the years, as the kids got older and their days started to expand and they started doing their own things, my work expanded. I got busier and busier. And I had a lady that came to see me one day out of the blue and she had a very swollen arm. Um, And she couldn't get anybody locally to treat her where she'd tried. The lady was full. They couldn't offer her anything. Um, She was living at home with cancer, she had a terminal diagnosis but she also had a husband who was poorly and she had a son who was poorly so she was really struggling and um, my heart really went out to her and that's what got me looking initially into training in manual lymphatic drainage um, for, for the uninitiated could you just explain a wee bit about what that is right so um, let's let's talk about lymphedema stuff to start with lymphedema is the swelling of limbs it can be brought on by cancer um, you will often see perhaps ladies wearing special sleeves on their arm to control it. But the lymphedema is a condition that it's not curable. It's caused when lymph nodes are removed or damaged or the lymphatic system is not working to its full capacity. Um, because there's no cure for it, um, it can be a very uncomfortable condition to live with because obviously you've got a swollen arm, which is heavy because of the weight of the fluid. Um, the treatment, there aren't enough people doing the lymphatic treatment manual lymphatic drainage um i i believe there are a lot of people with the condition and the treatment itself is a stretch 
push and a pump of the skin. It's a, it's a movement of the skin to stimulate the lymphatics to get the lymphatic system working. So like you have your veins and your arteries, which are pumped by your heart, your lymphatics are a secondary uh, circulatory system or system next to your your, ble- your veins and your arteries, which are pumped by their own little pumps inside uh, the tubes called angion. They're like little hearts. And to stimulate that, you have to stretch and pump the skin because the lymphatics are 0.4 centimetres under the skin. So it's a very light touch. Um, and you have to drain the fluid. So you're pumping it to an area which will take drainage. Now, if you've had your lymph nodes removed from under your right arm, you have to redirect that fluid to possibly the left side of the body, to the left um, lymph nodes, if they're available. So it's it's like working a map or a puzzle of the body, draining the fluid from one area to another. It's, say, uh, if you're pregnant and you've got swollen legs, swollen ankles, things like that, or if you're elderly and your lymphatics aren't working as well as they were when you were younger, you can end up with swollen legs. So it's a matter of moving, the, helping to assist that fluid to move by stretching, pumping that fluid, and then perhaps supporting with either um, some kind of compression garment or bandaging, whatever is seemed um, appropriate for your particular condition. So the lady that you were talking with, you applied that treatment yeah. to, what What difference did it make to her? Well, uh, unfortunately, she did come to me, but only for a very short period of time. Um, she lost her life. But it, when you have the treatment, it lightens the arm a little bit. The support from the compression garment she she was wearing gave her support to that arm. Um, and it can really change people's lives. I mean, having a swollen arm, it's like um, if you're a young woman or a young man um, and you've had some kind of illness which has been treated, but you're left with another condition afterwards, which aesthetically is not what you want to look like it can have an effect on your mental well-being as well you know it's also the you know wearing of clothes and things like that what people see um i mean this is not just down to arms it can be legs it can be all sorts you know i have um all sorts of people i treat young people as well as old people that have had not only cancer but other illnesses which have caused lymphatics to to cause problems to the body you Mm. know Aside from the that, you know, the the health side, you get people that come that have been and had aesthetic treatment where they've had um, maybe um, surgery to enhance body. And after they've done that, they then come and have the treatment because you get swelling after you've had surgery. You need to get that swelling and remove that fluid from the system. And using the lymphatic drainage helps to do all that. 90.1 Hope FM. Well, my very special guest uh, in the studio today is Paula Percival, and she's a a complimentary therapist. We both discovered how difficult it is to say that and still keep your teeth in. (laughs) So we've been talking about all of that. And, of course, about the real difference that these therapies make. I know that some people would maybe be a little bit worried about some of the things like aromatherapy and reflexology and so, so on. I know many people with belief think because it tends to have a bit of a new agey feel about all of that but but actually your experience is is something different isn't it yeah it is i think you have to be sensible i i personally don't believe in taking the steps to say that any of these things cure anything you have to seek allopathic help first Yeah, normal medical normal medical help Mm -hmm. but to 
support that. And if there's no, say if you have a terminal diagnosis, if you have a condition that can't be helped any, any further through ordinary medicine, these things help to support you and give you comfort and maybe um, ease they can't be doing you any harm, can they? No, and, and of course, now where you are, with many years' experience under yeah. your belt, you would have seen firsthand, are seeing firsthand, the very real comfort and difference and ease, of course, that these things... I mean, I talked to Simon Marsh, who you have been treating yeah. with a lymphoda, lymph, lymphomatic... What was it again, the term? He, he has a, uh, a lymphedema oh. of his legs. But it's brought great comfort to him. And of course, he, I, I know that they readjusted his medicine because he was having a bad time yeah. medically and then yeah. that was all readjusted. But in fact, he's, he's got a quality of life now. And I guess that you're able to help people in many, many different ways with that quality of life. Oh, well, I like to think so. I mean, Simon, as you've spoken about him, is a great guy. Um, and yes, I've helped him, but he's put in the work as well. I mean, I can tell him what I think he should do. And he does Whether it. he does it or not, it's up to him. But he has been doing it with uh, the assistance from his dear lady. Um, and it's produced results. So Simon is now standing and he's walking, albeit, you know, there's still more work to do on that. But he's doing amazing. And we seem to be keeping the swelling down on his legs fairly well. Um He's doing great, really great. So how do most people come your way? I mean, obviously, when I first heard about your work through uh, through Pauline Simon's yeah. uh, wife and, and, and she basically said how much it had helped Simon, you know. But, I mean, clearly people come to you through many different referral. They do. Avenues. I mean, I, I up until the coronavirus crisis started, um, I was based at Tightliff Medical Centre. Um, they're a great centre for promoting all sorts of things upstairs. Um, we had a really good team. So up the there. GP team have been supportive there, have they? Yeah, we, as a private clinician, we rent rooms from from them upstairs. But they are really supportive of us all up there. Um, so people can access me through the medical centre. They have their own private clinic phone number which I don't think is in existence at the moment because with everything going on, the doctors, the nurses there yeah. and all the medical staff are spread out over the surgery mm. and they're doing a wonderful job at Highcliffe. Um, but the private clinicians like myself, most of us are either working from our homes or in other, or in other areas. So I, are I t- you able to continue then? You know, so when, yeah. obviously the first lockdown, now we're into lockdown yeah. too. So as a, as, a, as a practitioner, were you able to still? No, it's close contact. So we've had to abide by the rules as everybody else and stop. Unfortunately, this is really difficult when you've got people that need the treatment, but you yeah. have to weigh up the good the safety. and the safety yeah. aspects of everything. Um, so today is my last day working for a month. Um, so you'll be putting your feet up, cup of tea, you know, doing all the things that you All the had, jobs that I don't normally get before, to do. Yeah. <laughs> Looking after the new grandchild. Well, I hope so. <laughs> doing shopping, doing all sorts of things, you know. So it'll, it'll give me a month of doing different things, keeping busy. But um, most of the pr- practitioners that I work with, as I said, we're working from our own, our own uh, establishments. I'm working from home at the moment. So if people, you know, need to see us, they can, I think, get advice from the surgery on how to contact us or you can contact me on my mobile number or on the internet. So what sort of people should be thinking about complementary therapy? I think, well, it depends. I mean, we're all very different. It's not everybody's cup of tea. Some people don't like to think of using something maybe a little bit different to going to see the doctor and getting a prescription. Um, 
But, but they I always think, talk to the doctor about that, can't yeah, they? Yeah, they can. And, yeah. and that's what I encourage, actually. If I've got somebody coming to see me with a particular condition, I like them to speak to the doctors, get the GP's opinion on what they're going to have with me. Some doctors aren't, you know, they might say, well, I don't think that's going to help you. Or I don't know anything about it. It might be worth trying and seeing what your results are, you know. Um, people with stress. Um, that's that In this day and age, that's the, the biggest the biggest factor especially and, now and mental health yeah. challenges of yeah. one kind or another yeah. and with all these complementary therapies the other thing that comes from it is people are able to talk you have you can often give more time than what you would if you went to see your ordinary doctor or therapist or whoever you can sit and you can talk it's like going to a hairdresser you sit and you talk to your hairdresser it's a, it's a similar type of thing you will talk maybe talk about things that you don't normally talk about you know so i might be sending somebody back to the doctor or going to see a counselor or something with other things that we've just talked about that you perhaps haven't mentioned to anybody before have you done a website have you got have you got a website i don't have, you a, website. have a website i know my husband keeps telling me i should have a website oh, yeah. i don't because you can put all people's stories up there you know people because yeah. you i mean i bet you if you sat down and you looked at all the people you've worked with over the years right from those early days you'd be pretty amazed at how many folk you, there's been a positive impact on. Yeah, I mean, no, I once thought, oh, I could write a book with with everything I know. Well, you should do that too, <laughs> sell boy, it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, but I think because I've been based at the medical centre and they have their little website there, I, I've I've never really bothered, and I I keep fairly busy. As I say, word of mouth is the biggest um, advert I have, is people recommending me, you know. So that in itself is worth its weight in gold, really, you know. (laughs) Now, we talked about a little bit about your faith. I know you worship at the Church of the Holy Redeemer uh, in in Highcliffe. And uh, you wanted to mention a project. I know know we're going to talk to Father John and and some of the young people, but but there's a wonderful project for some of the young people locally to go to to Lourdes. Yeah, yeah. we have a young uh, a gentleman at church, uh, John Murphy, and I think John is uh, with his team sorting this out. And it's um, the NYPD for Christ, the U- New Young Proactive Disciples for Christ. Um, they're asking for support to send 12 young people from the pastoral area to help the sick and vulnerable in Lords in May 2022. And they're working with St. Peter's School in Bournemouth in the recruitment of 12 students who will be in year 10 at that time, though they're open to nominations beyond St Peter's on selection which will take place between Easter and Pentecost 2021. The young people will be prepared spiritually on a monthly basis at the Holy Redeemer and they will also be engaged in sponsorship activities to help raise funds for their pilgrimage. So they'll be doing all sorts of things to raise money to get them out there. Um, And on their return from Lords, they'll then become uh, school ambassadors for Lords, preparing other young people perhaps for the year after to follow in their footsteps in their pilgrimage to get out there really it's It's a uh, really great idea and i guess also the the impact that that will have you know uh, will be well life-changing for them yeah it will life-changing for them and for the people that they're supporting out there um the whole project reminds me of a project that was going on when i was at school at the catholic school i went to st thomas moore's which uh was then and we did a similar thing to raise money for a jumbulance at the time, which was a great big ambulance. <laughs> to take people to Lourdes. Yeah, to yeah. take people to Lourdes. Yeah. So, um, and that was fantastic in, in that day, you know. Yeah. So hopefully these young people will get a lot from that. And I know the support of Father John and uh, John Murphy and his team will be great for those people, you know. 
For more inspirational interviews, podcasts, and Hope FM best bits, visit hopefm.com forward slash listen again.